Can you clap your hands to the Lord one more time if you're thankful for his arms? And How many have ever leaned on the everlasting arms of God before? I know I have, and what an honor it is to be with you this morning. How many are excited about what God is going to do today? And uh, I would like to start off today by saying uh, happy Father's Day uh, to all the wonderful fathers in this church. And I'm especially thankful for my father today. How many are thankful for a godly heritage and a godly legacy in your life? And I'm very blessed to have that in my life. If you could stand just quickly for the reading of the word, if you can pull out your Bibles. I'm excited about this morning. Is everybody awake this morning? You feel good today? And I hope you got up for Father's Day and ready to to hit the grill after church today. How many are going to grill out today? I mean, it's going to be an awesome day. <laughs> awesome day. I'm excited about what God is going to do. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith, can you say faith, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report through faith. Can you say faith? We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. I want to teach to you this morning with the help of the Holy Ghost on this subject, three ways to increase your faith. Can you put your Bibles down and just lift your hands and let's pray uh, that God would touch us in this lesson today. Lord, we love you and we thank you today. Lord, I pray that your will would be done in this service. I pray, Lord, I already feel that faith is in the house this morning. Lord, I already feel faith here, and I pray that you would help us to dig into your word today. I pray that we would learn something new today, and I pray that you would get all the glory and the honor and the power. If you believe that, can you clap your hands to the Lord before you're seated and just say, in Jesus' name, you may be seated. Faith is taking a stance on something without wavering. Faith is unyielding and faith is unstoppable. It is unrelenting. Faith moves mountains. Faith conquers. Faith is like concrete. The longer it stands, the stronger it gets. I heard a quote which says, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And that statement is relevant concerning everything but faith, because faith keeps praying the same prayer over and over again, expecting different results. When it comes to faith, insanity is doing the same thing a few times and then quitting before you see your prayers answered. Can somebody say amen? Faith is stubborn. Faith is like a little child who won't eat his broccoli. Has anybody tried to feed a child before some vegetables and they, they would not eat it? No matter what you did. And uh, I remember my mom, when I was a little boy, she tried feeding me broccoli and I would not eat it. And I love broccoli now. And I was stubborn, but she was more stubborn. Eventually, I started eating broccoli. (laughs) Faith is like that, and faith 
works. Can you say faith works? Has anybody ever had God answer your prayer before and somebody told you, you keep praying that over and over again, but you say, I'm going to keep praying and I'm going to keep fasting because I believe if I keep living for God, I truly believe that God is going to answer my prayer. Can you say amen? I'm reminded of a true story about a young man who had a dream of building an amusement park. And in an attempt to fulfill his lifelong dream, almost every voice in his life told him that that dream would never come to pass. He went to bank after bank trying to get a loan to start the journey of this dream, and over 60 banks turned him down. He was then fired from his newspaper job because they told him that he lacked imagination and had no ideas. But Walt Disney kept moving forward because he had a dream and he wasn't going to stop until his dreams came into fruition. If one man can keep believing and have faith for something like Disneyland, how much more stubborn should we be when we pray for our families? How much more should we believe that we can overcome for our lost loved ones and our friends and our coworkers? If somebody can put that much human will and determination behind something like an amusement park and make it happen, how much more as Christians should we say, I'm going to be stubborn about this? I'm not going to back down until you bless me, God. I'm not going to stop praying until I see it come to pass. You know, faith is stubborn like that. Faith just keeps on going. Our eyes tell us to quit. And we look around and we see all the obstacles in front of us. And our our eyes tell us to quit. But faith tells you, keep going. The world says, don't get your hopes up. But faith is the substance of things hoped for. And I want to be one of the few voices in your life today that say, why don't you get your hopes up when it comes to the things of God? You ought to get your hopes up when it comes to answered prayer. You ought to get your hopes up when it comes to living for God. Has anybody just had your day ruined by somebody saying, don't get your hopes up? Can we be real for just a second? I've had some people ruin my day trying to tell me to not get my hopes up. But faith is the substance, the things hoped for. You can't have faith if you don't have hope. If you don't believe that God is going to do it, God is able. 1 John 5 and 4 says, for whosoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith can you look at your neighbor and just tell him i'm an overcomer through faith i am an overcomer and when you tell them that god may not have even answered your prayer yet but you're telling them that i'm an overcomer by faith god is going to do it for me can anybody just Lift your hands as a testimony. If God's done it for you, he can, he can do it for me. If he's done it for me, I know he can do it for you. Amen. I want to share just a little story with you this week that happened to me that I thought was really cool. And, and there's, a, there's a guy that comes to, to our bank where I work almost every week, and he 
Uh, he's an on-site car washer. He'll, he'll wash your car, and he'll go to wherever, wherever you're at, wherever you're working that day, and he'll wash your car while you're at work. And he, he doesn't charge that bad. And he was washing a couple people's cars, and he walked up to me. He washed my car, and he came up, and he, he calls me Rev because he knows I'm a youth pastor. And he came up and he said, that'll be $80, Rev. I mean, I've never paid $80 to get my car washed before. That was a, I was kind of shocked by that because the price is supposed to be substantially smaller than that on his sign. So, and I looked and I said, well, I thought it was supposed to be this much. And he said, well, no, your car was really dirty. He said, that's going to be $80. And my coworkers were so mad, they could not believe that he charged me that much without asking me and without telling me. They were so, he never came in and said, your car's dirty. If I'm going to do this, it's going to be a charge. He just did all the work and came in and said, that'd be $80. And I said, okay, glory to God, hallelujah, it's in your hands, Lord. And my coworkers were so mad, they said, I can't believe he did that to you. And I looked at them and I said, you know what, y'all? You don't have to worry about it because God's going to get me that $80 back somehow, probably before the day's over because I was honest and, and I believe I did the right thing. I paid the man for his work. I don't really think he did me right, but I think I did him right. And I said, don't worry about it. Stop being angry about it. God's going to take care of it. And I went home that night and I opened up my mailbox and there was a random check for $80 in my mailbox last week. And I brought the check to work and I said, I told you. So some of y'all, that's not a big deal, but I, my faith was increased. Some of y'all may not feel like that's a lot of money, but my faith was increased because I knew that God cared about that. God was listening to me. God was concerned about what I was going through. His, he increased my faith because God is faithful. Why don't you just clap your hands to the Lord if you're thankful? God is faithful. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, a simple verse that we know and love. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And uh, brother, this, this dress, leave this up here for a minute, Brother Jinx. Have, uh, has anybody seen this dress before? Can you raise your hand if you've ever seen this dress before? Okay. Uh, so let, let me ask you a question. And I don't know if it's going to work up on the screen today. If not, it's going to be okay. Um, but does anybody see this dress as black and blue. Can you raise your hand if the dress is black and blue? Oh, good. I, it looks like it's working. Okay. Does anybody see white and gold? Raise your hand if you see white and gold. That's pretty freaky, isn't it? I have not altered the image at all. I've not changed the image. It's not changing colors. But this is a picture that went viral on social media. Does anybody remember when this happened? It's kind of old news now. It's like so last month. But um, this was a big deal because a bridesmaid in a wedding posted this photo on Facebook, and the original dress is blue and black. And when she posted it, 
she sent it to her friend and said, look at my dress, like girls often do. And she said, that's not the right dress. That's white and gold. The colors are supposed to be black and blue. And she said, I promise you, this dress is black and blue. And it got on Facebook, and they started this debate. And Pastor, I promise you, millions and millions of people on Facebook were debating over this silly little dress. And they had a hashtag that said, black and blue or white and gold. Did, I only saw a couple hands that saw it as white and gold. Can you raise your hand one more time if you see it as white and gold? You're both looking at the same image, but there's the lighting of this particular photo amazed the world because even though we were all looking at the same image, we all saw it differently. People saw the colors differently, and so scientists looked into it and they realized that the exact lighting of the photo, some of our brains aren't able to see the colors the right way. I've looked at it, and it has literally changed colors while I was looking at it. And it's a little bit freaky, actually, when the picture changes colors on you. But for about two days, the Internet was amazed because they realized that their eyes could deceive them. The world was amazed because for some people, for the very first time, they were being shown that they couldn't trust everything that they see. Ladies and gentlemen, walking by sight is a dangerous way to live your life. Walking by sight will assassinate your faith. This picture for me was a reminder that our eyes can deceive us. But when living for God, we can trust what we see through our eyes. We can't trust what we see through our eyes of flesh. But that which is flesh is flesh. And that which is spirit is spirit. And our hope is not in what we can see. It's not in politicians, even though we should pray for politicians. Our hope is not in the government, even though we should pray for the government. Our hope is not even in the president of the United States, even though we should pray for the president of the United States. Our hope is in something that we can't even see because we walk by faith and not by sight. And if I trust him, it's all going to work out. For we walk by faith and not by sight. If I even turn on the news, how many knows it is really hard to listen to the news right now? There is so much tragedy in our world. It is unbelievable. And when I turn on the radio... Sometimes I just get downright depressed and I think, what kind of crazy world am I living in? And I sit there and I have to remind myself, for we walk by faith and not by sight. For we walk by faith and not by sight. For faith is the evidence of things hoped for. It's something that we can't even see. If you look to the world for hope, if you're looking to the world for your only source of hope, You live in a very sad place, my friend. If we're going to walk by sight, then we have to look at Orlando, Florida and say, what in the world is going on, God? What are you doing? How could so many people die? I mean, 
I think there was three tragedies in Orlando just in the last week's time. Unbelievable stuff. If we look by sight, we're thinking we're going to be scared of ISIS and we're going to be living in fear. But God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love. And no matter what's going on in the world, nothing can stand against the church of the living God. Nothing can stand against the people that are walking by faith. And everybody said hallelujah. One of the most misquoted verses in the Bible is found in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. It says this, For by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, at the risk of sounding sarcastic, I would say if being a Christian was a game of Monopoly, Ephesians 2.8 would be their get-out-of-jail-free card. Hold up. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. The devil has tried to twist Ephesians chapter 2 into a doctrine that says... What you do doesn't matter. You'll go to heaven no matter what. Somebody look at your neighbor. Give him a high five if you're close enough to him and say, what you do matters. Grace and faith save us because faith is a verb. Faith moves us to the required acts of salvation. Alone, faith does not save us because faith is an action. Faith is what brings you to repentance. James 2 and 17 kind of sums it up. And, and what happens when we read books like Ephesians and we read verses like that, the, I call them our get-out-of-jail-free cards that... <laughs> that some Christians try to use because they, the truth is they're just they're afraid to have to make a commitment that says, I'm not going to do this, but I'm going to live holy. And, and they're trying to find a loophole in the Bible that says that, that we don't need to do this and we don't need to do that. But James 2 and 17 sums all that up. And when you read that, it's impossible to believe that anymore if you're really reading the word of God. It says, even so faith, can you shout faith? If it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Faith and works is like salt and pepper shakers. You always see them together side by side on the table. True faith will always have works sitting next to it because faith always leads you to movement. It was faith that led Gideon into an army of thousands with just 300 men. Faith is what persuaded David to pick up a slingshot and run into a field with a giant. Faith 
led the people of Judah into the battle with nothing but their voices and their praise and saw the enemies of God turn against each other. Faith is the fabric that weaves a beautiful blanket of hope that covers us, reminding us that with God, nothing shall be If you really want to know if somebody has faith, true faith always has works sitting next to it. Faith will lead you to do what God has called you to do, to be saved and to be kept by his mercy and his grace. So I want to quickly, can you say quickly? I want to quickly draw your attention to three ways to increase our faith By the authority of the word of God. How many people believe that we serve an awesome God today and that he is more than able to meet every need in this house? Could you just lift your hands for a minute and could you just pray? I want you to pray for your need right now. I know that we in this church, we pray for each other. We love each other. But I want you to specifically pray for what you're going through right now. If you want to lift your voice, I know it's Sunday school, but I want you to go ahead and lift your voice. I know that the devil tells you that's insanity. You keep praying the same prayer, but insanity would be for you to stop praying before you see God do what he's promised you he would do. In Jesus' name, I pray you would meet every need in this house. I pray that faith would be increased in this house because with faith, nothing shall be impossible, God. I know that you're able to do it. Every financial need, every physical need, every spiritual need. God, I know that through faith, we can see it answered in Jesus' name. Can you say in Jesus' name? God is able. God is able today. First, could you hold up one finger? We've just got three today. Let me start with the first one. The first one is read the word. Read the word. Romans 10 and 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If no one had ever told me about Jesus And about God's plan for my life. Or had I never read it for myself about him. I would be clueless about the need for faith. Reading or hearing God's word is like planting a garden. If you want to grow or build a garden. You must first plant the seeds. Or the actual plant or or flower will not grow. God's word is the seed that grows the faith. Knowing his promises, what God says about you, about life, and about Jesus. How many want to know all those things? How many want to know what God thinks about your life? About what Jesus, his plan for eternal life. It will not transplant itself into your brain by osmosis. Become familiar with the Bible and what faith is all about by meditating on its contents. This will give you the basis for growing or increasing in your faith. Listen to as much preaching as you possibly can. I ought to get a whole lot of amen, hallelujah, glory to God on that. Listen to as much preaching as you possibly can. Get the word 
into your spirit. God chose the preaching of the word. God chose it. I didn't choose it. No preacher chose preaching to reach the lost. God chose preaching to reach those that were lost. 1 Corinthians 1 and 21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And I think we ought to go ahead and pause for a second and just clap our hands and thank God for a godly pastor that knows the word and digs deep into the word and is willing to invest in me, that's willing to, to share the word of God with me, somebody that, that knows the word of God, somebody that you can trust. How many knows that in the world that we live in, it's a very special thing to have a pastor that you can trust and that you can believe in and that you know is teaching you the truth. You know that he loves the word of God. I thank God for that. I just can't get over this. You've got to listen to the preaching of the word of God. Now, I'm, I'm a preachaholic. I love preaching. I was raised in church and I love to listen to good preaching. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I love some good preaching. And, and when I listen to preaching, you know, it, I'm usually not bored. I'm usually having a good time, and I'm usually trying to learn as much as I possibly can. And uh, there's a couple apps that you can download on your phone. If you have an iPhone or a, uh, any phone that downloads apps, you can download Holy Ghost Radio you can download Revival Radio. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. It's 24-hour streaming of apostolic one God tongue talk and Holy Ghost preaching. And I'll turn it on in my car. If I'm having a really bad day, if my attitude is not right, if I'm just not feeling right, I go, I need to get some preaching in my life. And I'll get on my lunch break, and I'll get in my car, and I'll plug in my phone, and I listen to some Holy Ghost preaching. And on Holy Ghost Radio, your pastor is preaching on Holy Ghost Radio a lot. They pull up his messages, and I go, yeah, that's my dad. Cool. But you've got to get into the Word of God. But more than just listen to preaching, you have got to learn to love the preaching of the Word of God. You ought to not be bored in church. You ought to not be ready. I love Zaxby's probably more than you do, but Zaxby's isn't more important than getting in the altar. And I love Zaxby's. That's saying a lot. I know you want to get to Chick-fil-A. I know that you want to get to Taco Bell. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And that's all good. Pray. I think God ordained all that. Glory to God. But first, you, gotta, you, you shouldn't be rushing out of church. You ought to be praying with people. You ought to be witnessing to people. You ought to say, I'm not leaving this building until God does something for me. And everybody said, amen. Secondly, heed the word. James 1 and 22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. How many knows your eyes? They are deceptive. When you trust in your eyes, it is really hard to have faith because there is a lot of messed up stuff in this world. Deceiving your own selves. Verse 23. 
For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Can you say a mirror? For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way. And this is the scary part right here. And straightway he forgets what manner of man he was. Heed is a verb that simply means to give careful attention to. Scripture compares the word of God to a mirror that we look in that allows us to see what we need to change. Most people won't leave their house without looking in the mirror first. Most people. You know, they get ready. You know this morning on your way to church, you know you were like, "Mm, mm." you you were checking yourself out in the mirror like, I'm looking good today. You know on your way to church today, you stopped and you looked in the mirror because you have a standard that you set for yourself that you, there's a certain way you need to look in your mind before you leave the house. But honey, you ought not leave the house before you look into the mirror of the word of God and set yourself to God's standard. And if you're not meeting God's standard, you ought to go back to the closet and get something else until you look what God wants you to look like. Because God holds up a mirror, not not to condemn us, not to. Listen, when I was when I was five, six years old. I liked to wear turtlenecks, y'all. I had this thing about turtlenecks. I loved them. It didn't matter if it was 100 degrees on a Sunday. I was wearing my turtleneck. And my mom would try to tell me, honey, you don't need to wear a turtleneck. It's hot out here. No, I like my turtleneck. And my mom always tells me the story of she was playing piano at the home missions church in Chicago. And she looked down, and I was walking down the aisle. And I had a clip-on tie clipped right onto that turtleneck. I was going to wear that turtleneck. <laughs> but somebody, somebody that loved me had to say, sweetheart, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. You ought not wear that. That's what God does. He looks at you and he says, honey, you got to do something else. I'm trying to help you. Faith comes by hearing the word. And your faith is increased by letting the word you've heard change you. If we fail to heed what we're reading or hearing from God, our faith grows stagnant. Once you know what God has told you to do, do it. Did you know how deep of a revelation that is that I just shared with you right now? Do you know how simple that sounds and how hard people struggle with that? But once you know the revelation of the word of God, once you understand what God has told you to do, you ought to not wait. You ought to go ahead and do it. (laughs) 
This is the stage where you put feet to your faith. If you've read Acts 2.38 and you realize that you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name yet, just do it. Faith will lead you to the water because you have faith that God's word is true. So you don't mind getting wet in the waters of baptism because we truly believe that when we go down in the water, we come up a new man and the old man is dead and my sins are washed away. It's faith that brings me to the water. It's faith that will do that. And lastly, test the word. Now, this is where I want to be very clear. Not contesting, not, not, not going against the word of God. To test the word of God is to say, God, you've told me that you can do it. Now show me. Lord, I understand. Lord, that's, that's when you put, when you test the word of God, when you repent of your sins, you're testing the word of God. When you say, God, I'm so sorry. I pray that you would forgive me. You're testing the word of God because the word of God shows you that if you repent, he will cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. And by faith, you're testing his word saying, if his word says it, I'm going to put it to the test. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. When God tells you to do something, he wants you to believe that he will deliver on his promises. Malachi chapter 3 is a great illustration of putting God's word to the test concerning our tithes and offerings. Malachi 3 and 10 says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. That there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. The NIV translation says it like this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. If you'll give, he will throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room to receive it. We can give by faith because it belongs to God in the first place. Everything that I have, it's because of God. When you think about it, 10%, God's really not asking for a lot when it's all his. <laughs> God's really not asking for much when you think about the fact that you wouldn't have a dime if it wasn't for the mercy and the grace of God Almighty. Could you stand with me? I'm quickly coming to a close. James 1 and 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. When you have faith and the enemy comes against you like Job and says, if I'll just afflict him, he won't serve you. But just the fact that you're standing here today has proven Satan wrong.
Every single person that is standing here today has had their faith tried. You have had the devil try to come against your faith. Some of you have had every kind of attack imaginable on your life, but you're still standing here saying, I walk by faith and not by sight. I walk by faith and not by sight. Read the word, heed the word, and test the word. And watch your faith increase through that. This is what the Bible tells us to do. It tells us if you'll trust my word, if you'll believe in me, if you'll put my word to the test. That means that when, when he says, lay your hands on the sick in Jesus' name and they shall recover. That means that when people come up to this altar, we ought to not be afraid to put our hands on their head and say, in Jesus' name, be ye healed of cancer. In Jesus' name, be ye healed of your disease. Because the word of God tells me, and I believe in his word. Could you lift your hands and pray today? Lord, I love you and I thank you for what you've done for us in this service today. I pray that faith would be increased. I pray that somebody would get their hopes up in the word of God today. That I pray that the people under the sound of my voice would not put their hopes in the things of this world, but I pray that those that are here today would close their eyes of flesh and open their eyes in the spirit and walk in the spirit every day, everywhere that we go, at our jobs, at our schools, at our churches. I pray that we wouldn't put our hope in those things, but that we would put all our trust in you until you take us home. If you believe that, would you clap your hands to the Lord and thank God for faith.